Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the ET Speaks podcast. I know it has been a long, freaking time since I've done an episode. Um, actually, it's been a year and four days since I last uploaded an episode. I checked that just recently. Um, yeah, and the only thing I have to say about that is scheduling sucks. So um, here is a, yet another relaunch, yet another revival attempt at the um, what was originally the AP Everything podcast, um, but it's now the ET Speaks podcast, so we're going to try and do it again. We're going to relaunch. We're not going to rebrand this time. We're going to relaunch. We're going to try to make something happen. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking like, dude, we've done this over and over and over again. Um, let me just pull up right now the details on that. Take forever to access, but should pull right up right here. Okay, yeah. So let's check out how many times we've rebranded this bed. I've got so many like other files that have been waiting in the balance. Um, let's see. Twice, once we we did AP Everything Season 2. That was November 26, 2020. Then we did a What Happened, because that failed. So a year, not quite a year later, October 7th, 2021, we did a What Happened to AP Everything episode. Um, then we rebranded as ET Speaks. We then did one ET Speaks episode about the Skyrim Anniversary Edition. That was... Not too long after, so that was November 18th, 2021, so that was um, a month and a week later. We then did the ET Speaks Politics, um, the early Electoral College predictions. That was kind of a fun one. Uh, I did that March 22nd, 2022, so that was a huge gap, months later. Um, and then months after that, I did the ET Speaks first fire... Fireside Chat episode. That was a year ago, June 20th, 2022. Now it's June 24th, 2023 at today's recording. And I am just getting around now to making another ET Speaks episode. So why? Why is that the case? Um, basically, I don't really know where to take the show because I... And so in order to do that, like what the branding was, we're just going to be as broad and as open and whatever as possible and talk about whatever I want. But that didn't really work because it didn't give any direction to what those podcast episodes were going to be like. The problem with the direction is, well, there is none. There's no like, there's no inspiration for me to go talk about any specific thing. Um, if I don't know a ton about a thing, but I want to talk about it, you know, um, broad scream, uh, broad streaming, um, you know, useless opinions under the air isn't really what I want to do if I'm not educated on this topic um, as well as I need to be to, like, um, give an in-depth analysis on it or anything. So those kind of things fell through. Um, and I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go with it until a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, when I really started to plan out and, like, invest some time in sports and sports fandom and things like that. Um, 
I kind of became interested in, hey, maybe I could talk about um, some sports things, but specifically the areas that I find interest in, and then people who are interested in that can come and listen. People who want to learn about these kind of things can come and listen. It can be a really like fun and interesting experience. I'm going to try and do a weekly show every Saturday, but um, we're, we're going to see how that goes. Uh, right now, I've got a really unique opportunity where I can do a couple weeks, take a Saturday off, and then see you know what it's like. Um, so hopefully I can get some episodes off the ground and hopefully we can get regular weekly podcast episodes. I know that's a thing that has never, almost never happened here on the show with the exception of the D&D stuff from earlier. Um, uh, we're not doing the D&D stuff anymore, but we have some interesting uh, things up and around. So um, on the topics today, so what are we going to be talking about? Um, mostly every episode. Um, so we're going to have... Um, kind of a quick rundown of anything um, SGD related, so Spartan Game Design, uh, that's, that's board games, games, stuff like that, any updates, things going on uh, in those realms, and then maybe we're going to bring in some other hobbies and interests that I've got, um, uh, be that uh, airsofting interests, other things like that. Uh, at one point, I recorded a podcast episode about uh, airsofting and how people can get into it and um, kind of the uh, ways or things they should buy when they first get into um, a game like that. I'm actually going to play tomorrow. Um, we're going to play um, Future Ball Airsoft in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. So, um, you know, really cool. If any listeners out there like Airsoft, um, I usually go to Future Ball and have a good time out there on Sundays. So look out for me uh, if you're into that thing and you go out for that. So Spartan Game Design, um, basically the only update here is from May 12th, which is a little while ago, but that was the last big update for one of the games. Um, the Last of the Living Remastered uh, entered version point. 1.3 um that's a pretty cool deal uh the last of the living of course that's been one of my like personal game projects that i've been working on for a long time for eight years now that game has been um worked on um updated improved um it was literally i think either may or april 2015 when that game first entered development and i really got it off the ground and so it has been a really important part of uh, my interest in hobbies. And maybe we're going to have some Last of the Living um, gameplay episodes. I think that would be really cool um, as a way to, for people to experience the game and see what it's like. Um, of course, my technical ability, like my ability to uh, TM those games uh, comes and goes. So hopefully maybe with some podcast, um, you know, inspiration, I can do a little better in that area. Ooh, sorry, I just hit the microphone with my hat. Okay. So that's an um, important thing. Last Living entered 1.1.3. Uh, a um, lot of cool updates and stuff have been going on. I know 1.1.4 is in development. Um, uh, haven't hasn't been you know a super fast turnaround on those updates anymore. Uh, it was there from January this year up until I want to say May. Up until May, all the way up um, that time, January to May. There's a lot of updates coming out for that. Um, but now we, we've moved on past that. Now we are going into uh, some some kind of like new slower stage when it comes to the updates. And then some more projects that have uh, come off the card a little bit uh, that are preparing for pre-production um, and things like that. So those, those updates for game design are looking really cool. I don't have any details on those or else I would be talking about them right now. But until there's details, I can't really do anything about that. So... With that in mind, I want to move into um, the 
list of hobbies slash interests slash sports that we're going to be talking about, giving updates on all of these things. So the first of our list, the most probably um, interesting or recommended and something that maybe I could get other people to come in and talk about is going to be the Detroit Lions. Of course, I'm a big Lions fan myself. Um, it's been really exciting seeing what's going on with the Lions. Um, uh, these last couple months, I suppose. So around last year, um, during the regular season, they were doing really bad. Had like one win before beating the Green Bay Packers for that first time. And then something clicked, something turned around for the entire team. And they went on to win most of their games after the vast majority of their games after that. Finishing the season at 9-8. and eight. Um, I think they were like 1-6 and six and then finished 9-8. and eight. Um, Absolutely steamrolling a couple teams that ended up going to the playoffs. Um, and it was a big deal. So their kind of culture in this story around uh, the Detroit Lions as they're coming back with a new program. Of course, a couple of years ago, uh, bringing in uh, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes and the team that they kind of built around them as coaches and general manager to kind of like pull in um, new talent, uh, new team and new culture uh, here into the city of Detroit um, for the Detroit Lions. And so it's been a, it's been really cool to watch that happen. Um, that halfway like flip switch point um, and then they turned out to do you know very well and now the expectations this year um, including from myself are going to be for the Lions to make the playoffs I think that's where we need to keep the expectations at um, making the playoffs um, I think that is the like bottom line expectation is that they make it as the away team I think the higher end expectations should be like like something we could expect not something we desperately want but something we could expect them to do is host playoff game probably in detroit and hopefully come away with a win um that would be i guess the top um people who talk about you know detroit Lions going to going to the super bowl and making a late run in the playoffs of course i want to see that i really do but i don't know if we're quite there yet team wise to really pull that together so we're going to have to see that going in um to the season um a lot of good, a lot of good pickups, especially for the Detroit Lions in the draft and also in free agency. And the secondary has been completely revamped. The receiving core has got some upgrades, despite um, Jamal Williams, not Jamal Williams. Oh my God! Uh, wide receiver, what's his name? Jesus, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Um, Jamison Williams. I get their, I got their names confused. Jamal Williams off the team, obviously. Um, I think the Lions offered him a really good deal, around 18 million bucks. Um, his agent, um, who was terrible, decided that he was going to shop somewhere else and ended up only getting 15 million bucks uh, down in New Orleans uh, for the New Orleans Saints. So that's what happened there. Um, I'm pretty sure, I don't know a ton about the details there, but everything that we have uh, suggested that was probably the offer. Um, I suppose the agent was probably going to get 20 plus million dollars, but he wasn't able to get that. So um, the Lions went out and got David Montgomery to replace him. Uh, Montgomery, obviously, from the Bears, uh, really good running back. Um, everybody is saying that that's an upgrade. Um, and then with Gibbs being swapped for Swift um, in the draft, um, now it's kind of weird because now that Swift left the team, um, everybody in the NFL is talking about how great uh, running back Swift is and how he's just fantastic, you know, the second coming of Christ or something. Um, but before then, he was just, you know, another Detroit Lions player. Now it's like, now he's not on the Lions anymore. He's this great, unstoppable running back for us. And he is really good for the sixth game that he plays during the season. And then all the other ones, he's hurt. So, um, but I hope he does well down there. I hope he 
stops getting injured and he makes um you know maybe his playoff his playoff appearance this year and maybe he makes a um super bowl appearance too the eagles have a great team um despite you know some mix-ups uh, that happened over the over the course of the season uh, we'll see what really happens there it's gonna be interesting they're definitely gonna be a contender this year anybody who says otherwise i don't know man i don't know what you're watching i think the eagles are gonna do fine um okay so that's pretty much all the detroit lions news i have right now um other than my prediction for next season um, I talked to my buddy uh, the other day. He was also pretty interested in the Lions, and he was saying about 10 wins uh, coming in the 2023 season. I thought, yeah, maybe 10 or 11, hopefully 12 they can pull off here. Um, I don't expect them to have like a 15-win season, but I do expect them to have more than 10, more than last year, um, 10 being one more than last year. So hopefully they get double-digit wins. That's what I would like to see consistently year over year is double-digit wins, um, playoff chances. That's what I want to see from the Lions. Um, pretty much any football team, you should want their team, your team to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much all the rant I've got on the Lions right now. Uh, when more interesting things come out or I get more invested in different things, we're going to be talking about those when we get there. Um, but So the next big, the next team that I want to talk about with you guys is going to be Michigan State. Of course, the football team. Michigan State's football team. Um, as we're going into... Um, the regular season, uh, coming off this, like we're in the summer practice session, we're still signing guys, I think, um, through the transfer portal and things like that. There's a lot going on, but the big news, um, at least for me is going to be, um, Peyton Thorne leaving the team to go play at Auburn. Um, the speculation is there. There's like two things going on. So first it's like, as a Michigan state fan, you know, do we, do we have, an SEC caliber quarterback who just couldn't fit with the program or um, does did the scouts for Auburn not understand who they're actually getting? And that's kind of the question. Um, Peyton Thorne, obviously, um, he's a he's a he's a good arm, but um, he he's not great um, for short passing. He's not been um, super duper accurate uh, down the field. Um, so like where you keep him, you you know, kind of that middle passing about 10 yards, 15 yards out. That's kind of where he's good. Um, deeper down the field, he's got um, some vision problems. Uh, but in up close, especially, I think, um, I don't know why that is. He doesn't seem to be like, he's not too short or anything. So I don't know what the issue there is. But I just remember watching him and every time they would throw it short, it would be batted down by defensive line or almost picked or just, it was just, it was rough watching Peyton Thorne um, throw at those um, shorter distances. And of course, um, he really needs a good run game. It really needs a solid running game. I don't know about Auburn's run game right now, who they have back there. I know nothing about the Auburn's football team other than they've got a quarterback coming in. Um, that's going to be kind of the interesting question. Now, the other side of that uh, coin is going to be Noah Kim. How is he going to do now that he's the quarterback for Michigan State? Um, I think Noah Kim is going to be perfectly fine. I thought he was much more productive than um, Noah, uh, not Noah, um, the Peyton Throne was last year. So um, when we did see Noah Kim take the field, uh, when the Spartans were losing pretty bad, he was able to bring the game back. Now, again, those aren't starting players. That's everybody's second string teams. So um, against second string teams, um, he is pretty good. Uh, he definitely can win against our second string teams. We're going to see how he does against the first string teams this year. Um, but I think he's got enough years under his belt. He's got enough quality talent as a player. Um, I think he's going to be fine. And one cool thing about Noah Kim that I can really appreciate now more than ever, um, which is cool. So I don't know if anybody knows Noah Kim personally, but get him this episode because this is a really cool thing. 
Um, I went to the Michigan State spring game, so I was there to kind of watch the players, um, who the team had, kind of show off the talent. That's kind of what the spring game is about, trying to understand what your offense is going to be, your defense is going to be, for the coaches anyway. Um, and then as fans, we can come watch and spectate and see what happens. So um, at that event, uh, they were selling game day jerseys. And I went down, I checked out the game day jerseys, I looked at them, I, I you know, dug through the numbers trying to find somebody that um, I appreciate and I like as a player. And of course, Noah Kim's number, one of his last jerseys, were still in there. Um, Noah Kim's game day jersey, number 14. Uh, they're the big lime ones, which I, I have criticized um, since I first saw the, those big lime jerseys um, with state across the top. I think they kind of do look ugly, but I thought it's Noah Kim's jersey, it's a game day jersey, it's MSU jersey. I'm going to go ahead and buy this. And I did. And at the time, Noah was still the backup quarterback. Now he's a starting quarterback, so I think that's really cool. I basically got starting quarterback's game day jersey that he wore a couple years ago. I even went out and found pictures of him wearing it so um, in uh, in games and things like that. So I think it's really cool that I own that, um, and I'm a proud owner of the Noah Kim jersey. Uh, we'll see how he does this year. Um, I hope he does really good, of course. Um, as a Spartans fan, I kind of have to say that. But I uh, hope he finds success. Even if the team can't uh, find a ton of success, um, I hope he does as a quarterback. Uh, I have not gotten a chance to look at Michigan State's schedule in depth this year to see how they're going to do. Hopefully, though, they pull off, I think, the eight-win requirement for the um, kind of a bowl game. Um, I think maybe it's a six-win requirement now. I'm not sure. Uh, what the requirement is for a bowl game, but if it's six or eight wins, hopefully they can just pull that off and uh, you know get some dubs. I, I know that the early season will look there's opportunity there to get some wins, and then all you have to do is steal them later in the season. Hopefully, Michigan State can pull that off. Um, and by the way, uh, yeah, I just I really hope uh, hope things go well there in East Lansing. Now we're going to get to some spring football. So I've been a big follower of the spring football leagues, the United States Football League and the uh, XFL, uh, which used to stand for Extreme Football League. It doesn't really stand for Extreme anymore, but we can say it does if you want to. Um, either way, so the teams I'm supporting in these two leagues for the United States Football League is, of course, the Michigan Panthers. Um, anybody knows we are based out of Michigan. So uh, Michigan Panthers, who we're going to get to their news in a second, and the D.C. Defenders out of the XFL. Now, um, I technically know distance-wise um, I am closer to um, with the Battlehawks playing St. Louis than I am actually the city of D.C. Uh, location-wise. But I root for the D.C. Defenders because I've been to D.C. Uh, I'm interested in politics. You know, I like um, D.C. I like the city of D.C., um, so I chose to support the DC defenders. So, uh, that's basically the quick justification. Okay. But let's get down to it. Michigan Panthers, United States football league. I've been watching them. Um, the regular season just ended last week and it was a freaking mess. I'm telling you. Um, so in 2021, sorry, in 2022, um, the United States football league had its first inaugural season, um, since 19, 85, I think, was the last um, regular season of the United States Football League. Um, so it has finally come back under new management, new ownership, uh, with a new direction uh, and new goals for the game. So that's kind of how that went. But really excited. Um, and they got off to a terrible start. The Michigan Panthers won two games last year, both against the Pittsburgh Maulers. Um, I think I, I even... 
No, no, no. I don't think that actually. Um, so there was uh, when Pittsburgh and the Lions, not the Lions, the Panthers went into that last game against each other. I think it was the last game of the season last year. So week 10, it was Panthers and Maulers, and they were both one-win teams. Um, the United States Football League um, came out and said that the, the team that wins that game will get the first pick in the draft instead of it being the team with the lowest record because they both had the worst record in the league. So it was kind of a competition then to see, okay, who can be a little bit less worse and you can get the first pick. Now, how you feel about that, um, I mean, it uh, doesn't really matter, uh, but the Michigan Panthers ended up winning that game. So uh, congratulations. We got the first pick in the, in the uh, 2023 draft. And I don't even know who we got for that. Um, I don't know if there was a total personnel shuffle again. I don't think there was. Um, I didn't follow uh, too closely what was going on there with the um, spring league drafts um, that took place for both leagues. So I wasn't really sure what happened. I know that they did do a college draft. Um, I know that they picked up at least one offensive lineman from Eastern. So I did pay a little bit of attention, I guess. Um, I just didn't pay enough to know exactly what happened with that first pick. Um, and it could have been the lineman from Eastern, but I'm not sure. So the Michigan Panthers, they got a new coach. Um, they got a, basically a whole new roster uh, from last year. And what, what did they end up doing? So the first two games, they absolutely destroyed their opponents um, and they looked like a really good football team and I was saying wow you know a quick coaching staff turnaround and some upgrades to the roster and look at this we have an actual contending football team um, they might be really really good and those games were away and then the league expanded its um, home fields from one field to four fields and one of them fortunately was Ford Field so um, Ford Field in Detroit Michigan Panthers uh, playing it at home in Michigan instead of everybody playing in Alabama, as was the year in 2022. So now we have a real opportunity. The teams are coming in. Uh, we got home field advantage. We have Michigan fans right here. Um, it's going to be great. They went on to lose like four or five home games in a row. And they came out of that with the two road wins in the beginning of the season. They got destroyed every single game at home, including to the one I went to. I wanted up. Um, I wound up going to one of the Michigan Panthers games, um, and it was just like watching uh, the the old school Lions. Um, you know, they had some good plays here and there. They had a lot of potential going on, but there wasn't. They weren't able to put enough together to actually win a football game. And it was so hard to watch. They then went back out on the road um, after spending multiple weeks at home. I think like five weeks. I think it was five games at home. They go out back on the road. They get another win. And it's like, wow, okay, now we're a three-win football team. Now it looks like we can only win on the road. Okay, fine. You know what? If we only win on road games, we still get a chance to make the playoffs. Then they went ahead and lost um, against the Maulers uh, just after that. So another loss. And I think they also lost against the Gamblers the week after that. So that's that was two road losses. Um I forget exactly exactly what the schedule was. Next podcast episode, um, maybe not next episode, but next season, I'll do. I'll play much closer closer attention to these kind of things. Um, but anyway, they come out, they lose a couple more football games. Now they're a three win team, and it's looking bad. So for like three games, I'm like, this is a must win game. If they win here, they have a chance to go to the playoffs. 
and they would lose. And okay, this week, you know, based on how the teams, you know, won and lost. Okay, look here, this one, this game right here, it's a win-lose. Um, they win, they go to the playoffs, lose again. Okay, and then it literally came down, and based on how the wins and losses worked out with the other teams in the United States Football League, it came down to the Panthers needed to beat the Philadelphia Stars. One, like, again, they beat them early in the season. They need to beat them again. Philadelphia Stars at the time were the number one seed in the north. Panthers were the bottom. They're number four. Only eight teams in the league, remember. So um, one through four. And I was like, well, that's not very good, you know. Um, so Panthers were obviously the underdogs going into this contest. And this is last week's football game, week 10. And the first half was brutal. The Panthers got destroyed in the first half. Um, the Stars um, just basically, basically took them to test, touchdown after touchdown. It looked really bad. Um, but the Panthers, um, you know, they got rid of their quarterback, Josh Love. Both quarterbacks who started the season for the Michigan Panthers are no longer on the active roster. Um, about halfway through May, or maybe near the end of May, um, yeah, I think it was halfway through May, the Panthers picked up Brian Lerucki, uh the former Michigan State quarterback, out of free agency. Um, to be one of the backup quarterbacks for Josh Love. So the current backup quarterback kind of was moved to the inactive roster. Then it was Josh Love and Brian Lerucki. And then um, just for this last game against the Stars, the Panthers took their starting quarterback all season, put him on the bench, and then um, brought another quarterback in. Uh, I'm, his, his name is slipping my mind, but I'll talk about him next week um, in the kind of wrap-up episode for the season because... Um, this new quarterback went out and won the game for the Panthers in the second half, um, including a, a double, he fumbled the snap twice, both on a scoop touchdown run, which happened, and then he fumbled it again going for two, and was still able to pick it up and throw it to the tight end for a uh, two-point conversion, uh, which brought the Panthers, I think that gave him one-point lead, and they went out and got another touchdown, I think. Um, maybe not, maybe not, maybe it was only like a one-point a one-point game. So the Panthers fought their way back, and they made it to the United States Football League playoffs. Despite being a 4-6 and six football team, they were able to go. Now, there are no playoffs in Detroit, but there are playoffs in Canton. The, so the Michigan North Division Championship is going to be held in Canton, Ohio, um, at the Football Hall of Fame Stadium uh, today, the 24th, uh, at 8, 8 o'clock. So that's in two hours. So we're going to see um, how that's going to happen in next week's episode. We're going to be talking more in depth about the Michigan Panthers and um, if they were able to win, if they were able to lose, and kind of a retrospective on the season. Um, today's episode, obviously, of the podcast is a run-through of all the things we're talking about, and then it'll be more specific as we go along. So the next thing I want to talk about is the D.C. Defenders. Um, anybody who followed the XFL um, knows that in the Vibberry in the very beginning of the season, the DC Defenders were like, um, the, they were like the like second to the bottom in terms of betting favorite to uh, be a good team this year, and they completely turned that around, winning nine of their ten games during the regular season, um, with some struggles. They did have a lot of struggles during the season. That's something I wish you know I was doing the podcast then so I could talk about it, but there were struggles during the season. But they were able to win nine out of their 10 games, losing one barn burner shootout game to the worst team in the league, um, the Guardians, who were only able to pick up one win against the Defenders, who at the time were the best team, which is just really funny. Um, I'm not even, I wasn't even like 
totally upset at that uh, necessarily because of how hard the um, how hard the game was played with all this, all the point scoring and everything like that. I'm pretty sure it came down to like a field goal um, when the Guardians were able to win the game. So that was really intense, and I remember like checking Twitter, you know, the night after because it was a late game, so I didn't watch the whole thing, and seeing the that the DC Defenders had lost to you know Orlando Guardians, and I was like what like it just made no sense to me um that you know the worst team in the league could beat the defenders at that time but uh it happened you know and it was kind of exciting i wasn't really upset about it so much because i knew that you know dc was good and they were probably gonna make the playoffs but it was just really surprising it was like what happened you know like how did you lose that game but um nonetheless uh that's what happened with the dc defenders so they they went to the playoffs um there was some big controversy over who was going to go to the north north division playoffs because the seattle sea dragons and the um, st louis battlehawks had the same record and then when you're watching the games espn was talking about how um you know, the sea dragons need to score this many points or they make the playoffs in their game and if they're unable to then the battlehawks who won their game were able to go to the playoffs and it turns out that didn't end up being true it had nothing to do with how many points were scored during the game it had to do with like it came down to like uh, strength of schedule or some other thing um that basically said all the seahawks had to do was was win their game um so it was just it was just really strange uh how that all worked out because there was miscommunication between the league and espn and you know sports analysis individuals and it just it didn't really work out no one knew why the battle hawks got passed over but they did um the sea dragons ended up uh going to the north division championship to play the defenders defenders won and then they ended up going to play arlington renegades in the xfl championship this year uh, and of course arlington renegades they had a terrible start to the season as well they were losing a lot of games they went uh went out and picked up uh, luis perez off of the vipers um, basically, um, the Vipers were the second worst team in the league and their quarterback either couldn't get along with the coaching staff or I think the coaching staff wanted to bench him for a, a younger quarterback who could do a little bit more, could run a little bit more. Um, and it kind of made, it made sense from a Vipers like perspective, because if you have a decent quarterback, but you want to go in a different direction because you want to open up the playbook a little bit to some more quarterback run plays then going in a different direction makes sense and have giving Perez his opportunity to go play for a different team makes sense. As soon as he came onto the Arlington Renegades team, uh, it was like the missing piece that they needed and it ended up going, doing really well and they ended up um, going to the championship with a losing record. I think they were four and six or five and six. I think they were four and six going into the championship and then they ended five and six. Um, after beating the DC Defenders in that championship football game, that was a really hard loss to take as a DC fan. But basically, what happened is um, Tiamu, the quarterback for DC, he threw like three picks that game, which is all he had thrown all season. So um, poor ball handling. It, it kind of felt like when watching the game um, that DC counted the win in their head before they went and got it. And um, Arlington on game day wanted it more than DC did, and they got it. So that's kind of how that goes. <laughs> you can't really be too upset about that, um, especially because uh, the XFL, obviously, it's it's for opportunities. Um, same thing with the United States Football League. It's about, you know, getting players to the NFL. So it's, I'm less committed to who wins. 
um, and more committed to just seeing guys work really hard at what they love. So, uh, DC Defenders, um, North Division champions. They lost in the South. They're going to be great next year. Hopefully, um, as long as the every, everybody's coaching staff stays the same, I'm excited to see um, what they can do next year. I was really proud of them. I uh, hope they come back, and I hope a lot of the players come back too um, and do well. So, that's football. Okay, we're done with the football uh, commentary. Obviously, that's four football teams that I'm following. Two in the fall, two in the spring. I'm going to be doing game-by-game game, um, kind of conversations around those as we get into those seasons. Um, yeah, just as a heads up, there it is. Um, now we have the two non-football uh, kind of teams that we'll be following throughout the spring and fall. We don't really have much going on in the summertime as far as um, commentary to talk about. So we're, I'm going to try and find things to talk about. Um, in these summer months and it'll give me an opportunity to get used to a schedule um, with uploading podcast episodes and then hopefully I can take that and we can go right into to the season and talk more in depth about sports that'll be really exciting so who are these teams well the spring league team that I'm going to be following uh, here that's non-football is Optic Texas so I've been a Call of Duty uh, fan, Call of Duty player for a long time, um, for about 10 years, I want to say, 10 or 11 years I'm playing Call of Duty, and for about, about eight years ago, I started to play competitive Call of Duty, and I played competitive Call of Duty for about six years before I finally um, retired because I couldn't really find a team to play on, um, I tried to make teams that didn't work. Um, that whole story and stuff might be slowly, you know, coaxed out of me later, <laughs> uh, later in life, but, uh, we'll see what happens with that. So, but as a fan, um, of the pro leagues and things like that, the team that I always supported was Optic Gaming back in the day. Um, unlike a lot of Optic Gaming fans where you would just watch the thing and see Optic was the best team, so you'd become a fan. I actually became a fan through the, um, YouTube connection, so I would watch, uh, this YouTuber named, uh, Syndicate or Tom Cassell. Um, I watched him play Minecraft and do other things, you know, when I was younger. I thought his content was great. And he would play, sometimes he would talk about the Optic guys, guys from Optic. Um, and through that, I started following Nadeshot. Um, and eventually through Nadeshot, I started following Optic Gaming and um, the player Scump. So through that, I started following and watching competitive Call of Duty a lot more closely. And since then, I've been a supporter of the Optic brand. Um, but except for one year when I support Chicago Huntsman, obviously when Hex and Scump and um, basically what made Optic Optic uh, didn't go under the Optic name. Of course, I followed that, you know. I was more loyal to the people than I was the brand. But now I think things are going to be different when the, as those players kind of retire out and maybe if, Hop, if um, Hex hangs up the banner. So Optic Texas, um, the CDL Call of Duty League um, season did end as well. Me. That was last week. Um, and so I watched two majors this year. I watched the Major 5, where that was just completely embarrassing as an Optic fan. So Optic Gaming went into that, or Optic Texas, went into that tournament as the number one seed, and they got completely demolished. They lost 3-0, to zero, which is the most you can lose by, by the way. It's a best of, best of five um, Call of Duty. So... They lost 3-0 to zero against the Florida Mutineers, who everybody thought that was a fluke. Like, oh my gosh, Florida, like what happened? Like, they're just fantastic. And then they went to the loser's bracket and they lost again 
to, I want to say it was 100 Thieves or Toronto Ultra. I'm not sure um, which one it was there, but they got sweeped again um, just just like that. And it was just kind of super embarrassing to watch. And I was like, huh? Um, so 03, 03, out. Um, and then that kind of, you know, made me a little bit worried for the postseason Call of Duty Championship Tournament, where um, they went in as the number two seed after placing fairly well um, throughout the regular season, except for that last major. So they went in as a two seed. Um, Atlanta Phase went in as the number one seed. Obviously, the rivalry there has been there since the beginning of basically competitive Call of Duty. Um, okay, obviously, okay, not the beginning of competitive God since, basically modern warfare 3 black ops 2 um but the phase optic rivalry uh, has been there a while it's actually more prevalent on online community forums and stuff than it is actually in the sport itself so that's kind of weird but you know whatever so optic texas they ended up placing fifth at the major not the major at the uh, call of duty championship tournament Obviously not what I wanted them to get. I wanted them to win the whole thing. I had them favorited to win the whole thing in the pickums, and they were unable to do so. So um, Optic Texas fell um, and ups an upset win to I wasn't was it Toronto really? I think it was Toronto Ultra. Um, no, Subliners. New York Subliners ended up beating them. And the New York Subliners ended up actually going on to win the whole thing. So, um, they, congratulations to them uh, for being Call of Duty champions. They won two of the majors this year, which is surprising why they weren't ranked number one after all that. But um, they won two of the majors this year, and that's what really matters. I think um, if we take a look at the teams that win majors end up winning in the championship tournament because you have to be able to win down the stretch and that's something that optic has struggled with um since the um forming of the call of duty league away from the call of duty world league um the optic brand and the huntsman as well have always kind of struggled um you know winning down the stretch in tournaments and it is a hard thing to do you know you get tired you're playing a lot um, but, there's, you know, that's your sport. That's what you chose to do, so you win down the stretch. <laughs> and then the last um, sports team that I'm going to be co um, covering, probably least uh, close as compared to the others. Um, I mean, I might even cut this, you know, coming up, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be Michigan State Hockey. So uh, I've tried to get into Michigan State Hockey and hockey in general. Um, it's just harder to get into pro hockey right now. Um, it's not that interested in not that interested in it. Um, I also don't know when the games run and things like that. So I'm less interested in that. But I am interested in college hockey, at least to some degree. So I'll be going to some of those games and maybe talking about them afterward on the show. So that's going to be the Michigan State hockey team. Um, this year, they did a lot better than they did uh, last year. What I mean by... So they did a lot better in the 22-23 season than in their... Um, 21-22 season. Um, I was able to get a couple games here and there for that. So they have completely rebuilt their team. Um, and it's looking really good going into this season. So I'm really excited to see what happens with that. That's obviously the um, non-football sport in the fall. It's going to be college hockey, Michigan State hockey specifically. So I'm excited to see what goes on there. Um, no real updates on that other than um, I hope Coach Nightingale puts something together. Looks like he is. It's going to be cool. It's going to be cool to watch. Um, I know that they Michigan State Hockey recently released their um, 
non-conference schedule. Uh, no times for those games, but hopefully those are winnable uh, hockey games. Though college hockey is a lot more uh, competitive than um, other ones, and maybe that's just being in the Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten and college hockey um, is very competitive, and pretty much anybody can win at any time. So there's no real like, uh, there's no real big favorites and things like that. Um, favorites can get upset just like that uh, in college hockey. So. Uh, but it's really cool to watch. So um, stay tuned for that, I guess, a little bit uh, in the fall. I don't have um, really many updates on that. I haven't been following it as closely as I could have otherwise. But those are the big ones. So um, NFL, uh, Detroit Lions, um, NCAAF, MSU Spartans, USFL, Michigan Panthers, XFL, DC Defenders, CDL, Optic Texas, and NCAAH is going to be MSU Spartans again. So that's who I'm going to be focusing on. That's where the coverage is going to be. Um, I know we talked a little bit about uh, those teams today. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens uh, with them going forward. Yeah, <laughs> that's the episode. That's the update. Um, for non-sports-related um, things, we're going to be talking about um, uh, Spartan Game Design. Uh, we're talking about uh, Spartan Games Airsoft. And we're probably going to be talking about um, some festival things coming up. Maybe that'll be uh, in-depth two episodes from now. We're going to see how that goes. Um, one or two episodes from now, we're going to be talking about um, some more festival-related things, music-related things. Uh, maybe, right? I make no promises anymore based on the history of this podcast. You can't make promises. So hopefully this is the first episode of a weekly show where we mostly talk about sports and other topics. It could be that this is the you know just another episode and we'll get another one in a year or six months or whatever. Could be the case. Um, hopefully that's not the case. I can't promise anything though. Um, I know you know at this point I know what it's like. So thank you all for listening. This has been the ET Speaks podcast. Please come out and stick around and um, have a good one. Uh, donate if you can. Uh, I really really appreciate it. Um, there are uh, donation options on Spotify for podcasters. As well as if you download the Spotify for Podcasters app, you're able to share your opinions directly with me um, over voice, and I'm able to put that in the podcast. So go ahead, um, check that out. That's a really cool feature, and I'll see you in the next episode.